Where do you go for good advice? The pastor? A therapist? A good friend? Well, where does God's Word tell us to turn? Today on Through the Bible, our teacher, Dr. J. Vernon McGee, takes us to Job chapter 4 for the answer to this important question and a whole bunch more. I'm Steve Schwetz, welcoming you aboard the Bible bus as we continue our five-year journey through God's entire Word. So while you grab your seat and you get a little comfortable, we've got just enough time to hear a quick letter from a fellow passenger in the Philippines. He writes, Philippians 4.6 has been my way of approaching unknown situations. This verse has helped me move forward by turning things over to God. Recently, family troubles have been too huge for me to handle. Thanks to God's word, he has given me a powerful way out of difficulties. Thank you for your solid teaching that helps me understand the Bible. I got more out of Deuteronomy this time than last. It is this way with every book we study together. Well, you know, it's true. Each time we learn a little more, don't we? Or maybe it's because we forget a little bit every time we listen. So why don't you write and tell us what you're learning now or remembering from the last time we traveled together through this point in God's Word. Just send your story to BibleBus at ttb.org or mail it to Box 7100, Pasadena, California, 91109. Or in Canada, Box 25325, London, Ontario, N6C, 6B1. Or call and leave your story on our message line at 1-800-65-BIBLE. We'd really love to hear from you, so why don't you reach out today? Let's pray for one another. Heavenly Father, as we study Job, we would ask that you would bring comfort to those in the Through the Bible family who are suffering as well. We pray that in the heat of their trials, that they'll fix their eyes upon Jesus and find peace as they walk with you today. In his precious name we pray. Amen. Now let's begin our study of Job 4 and 5 on Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. Now, friends, as we come today to the fourth chapter of the book of Job, we are now going to see a dialogue take place that's a real contest. And these friends of Job have gathered. They're actually going to make an attack upon him, and he's going to respond. This is what you'd call intellectual athletics. And this was the thing that was popular in that day. Today, people go to a football game, or to a baseball game, or to a basketball game, or to ice hockey, or to something else that is athletic, where the physical is demonstrated. Now, way back in these early days, they gathered for intellectual contests. And by the time that these men are getting underway in this dialogue that's taking place, a great crowd had gathered around listening to what was taking place. And we are going to see that one in that crowd by the name of Elihu, a little later, he's going to step out. He's a young man, and he will be the last speaker. But he's the only one. Now, this is therefore a great contest, and there's a great crowd there to listen in. Now, you can understand this was way back yonder when people weren't civilized. And they put the emphasis on the intellectual. Now, today we're civilized and we've advanced so far. We put the emphasis on the physical today. But that's just because we're so superior to these people, of course. Now, I want you to listen to this because this man Job now has just broken out with a complaint. It's a sad thing. And he's in the deepest, blackest pessimism that a man can be in. And the devil has stripped him of everything. He has nothing to lean on, no place to turn. 
and even God seems very far removed from him at this particular time. Now, Eliphaz is the first one to speak. And we probably ought to say a word concerning each one of these men. We gave last time the meaning of their names. Eliphaz means God is strength. Now, this man, Eliphaz, is actually the voice of experience. He's a remarkable man, and he's had a remarkable, strange, and mysterious experience. And the key to what he has to say is found down in verse 8. He says, even as I have seen. And everything that he has to say rests upon that. He is the voice of experience. And he'd had, as we're going to see, some remarkable dreams and visions. And he heard secrets that nobody else has ever had. Now, listen to him, because he is an outstanding man. There's no question about that. Verse 1, chapter 4, the book of Job. Then Eliphaz the Temanite answered and said, If we assay to commune with thee, wilt thou be grieved? Now, he begins in a rather diplomatic sort of way. You have a feeling he's got his tongue in his cheek. This is sort of a false politeness. But nevertheless, he begins like that. He says to Job, Do you mind if I say something? And he says, but who can withhold himself from speaking? Regardless of whether you mind me saying something, I'm going to say it. And he does. Now he says, behold, thou hast instructed many, and thou hast strengthened the weak hands. Thy words have upholden him that was fallen, and thou hast strengthened the feeble knees. But now it's come upon thee, and thou faintest. It toucheth thee, and thou art troubled. He says here to Job, in the old days, when you were in prosperity and plenty and in good health, you were a tower of strength, everybody else. You could advise them, and you could speak to them, and you could tell them what to do. And you knew how to help those that were in trouble. But now, the thing has happened to you, and you have folded up. You're just a paper dog. You're just a paper tiger. You weren't actually real at all. And the advice that you gave to others, can't you follow it yourself? Now, I would say today that that's the problem that a great many of us have. Isn't it interesting? We can always tell the other person how he should do it and what he should do when trouble comes to him. The psychiatrist, the psychologist is very good at that sort of thing. And I know some of them. And some of these that are my friends think I'm picking on their profession, and I guess I am. But I know several of them that I think that they ought to see a psychiatrist. I heard about two of them that met one day, and one looked at the other and says, You are fine. How am I? May I say to you, always analyzing the other fellow, always telling the other man. And Job was an expert, according to Eliphaz, in that sort of thing, and in a very sarcastic manner. He says, now it's happened to you. What's happened? You fold it up. Now, will you notice here, and I'm begin reading at verse 6 again, is not this thy fear, thy confidence, thy hope, and the uprightness of thy ways? Isn't your own advice good enough for you? It helped others. Now, it ought to help you. Now, here is his little insinuation. He does it in a polite way, 
And when we get down to these other two friends, they are much more blunt. In fact, we find out that the last friend, old Zophar, is rather crude indeed. But listen to him here. Verse 7, Remember, I pray thee, whoever perished, being innocent, are where were the righteous cut off. I've heard that quoted today. And that's not accurate, friends. That's this fellow, Eliphaz, making a little insinuation to Job. He says, evidently, there is a chink in your armor. You have an Achilles heel. Now, this wouldn't have happened to you if there hadn't been something radically wrong in your life that you've been keeping secret. That's exactly what he's saying here at this particular time. It's a little insinuation, and it's not true of Job. We know already God gave us this at the beginning, this scene in heaven, that we might understand Job as we go through this book. And that is wrong. Now, I said at the beginning, the reason that these men were miserable comforters was just simply because, first of all, they did not understand God. And they didn't understand Job. And they didn't understand themselves, actually. And that is the reason today that so many that are actually attempting to deal with spiritual matters are not qualified to deal with spiritual matters. And that's one of the reasons, very candidly, I'm always reluctant to counsel folk. Because my feeling is that, to begin with, if a person is a child of God, unless it is a technical matter and a theological matter, or some physical difficulty, that it can be settled between the soul and God. We don't need to go to the third person. After all, we have an intercessor with God. Job cried out for a daysman, an intercessor. And today we're told we have that. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Now, he's the one that a great many Christians ought to be going to instead of a minister or to a psychologist. And if it's physical, well, go to the doctor. Then go to God also. And I found out, and I can say also as Eliphaz did as the voice of experience, I know from experience it works, friends, that God does hear and answer prayer relative to your physical condition and relative to your spiritual condition. It's wonderful now to see the way that God will deal with Job before he's through with him. But this man's not going to be very helpful to him. Now, listen to him, because he speaks from a very high pulpit. And he's looking down at Job when he says this, verse 8, "...even as I have seen, they that plow iniquity and sow wickedness reap the same." Now, that's a dirty little thing to say to Job. He says, Job, come on out with it. <laughs> Evidently, there's something in your life that you haven't told us. Let's hear it. And he goes on. He says, By the blast of God they perish, and by the breath of his nostrils are they consumed. And even with God's own children, he doesn't destroy them. Never does that. He disciplines them, but he never destroys them. And this man is wrong, you see, and you can be so wrong today in giving advice. Very candidly, I 
afraid there are too many today that are dear abbots. They can tell you how you ought to do it. And they can say it in a pretty nice way. They can phrase it with very attractive language. But it may not be accurate. Now will you notice the roaring of the lion and the voice of the fierce lion and the teeth of the young lions are broken. The old lion perisheth for lack of prey and the stout lion's whelps are scattered abroad. Now, what this man is saying here is that the old lions are no longer able to stalk their prey. And those who sow evil seed, they're going to reap evil harvests. And they're going to perish like the young lions that have broken teeth and like the old lions that can no longer stalk their prey. Now, he's saying, Job, you're in the hands of one whose justice is unquestionable. And he says, this thing was impressed on me because I had a vision. I had a dream. And believe me, here's a man with a dream. And let's listen to it. Because I tell you, it makes your hair stand on end when you find out about this dream. He says, verse 12, and this is very mysterious. And friends, it's going to make your hair stand on end. Listen to this. Now a thing was secretly brought to me and mine ear received a little thereof. Oh, draw closer now. Cup your ear, because we don't want to miss a thing of what's happening here now. Listen to him. In thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falleth on men. Why, I tell you, this is blood-curdling. It took place at night. It is in the dark, and he's had a vision. He says, Fear came upon me, and trembling, which made all my bones to shake. Oh, tell me more. Eliphaz, but you're scaring me to death. (laughs) You're frightening me. My, what happened? Oh, he's not through. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. My, that was frightening, wasn't it? And now notice, verse 16, it stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before mine eyes. There was silence. And I heard a voice saying, Oh, Tell me more. This, this, my friend, is going to be something nobody's ever heard before. This is something nobody ever knew before. Because this man's had a vision. He's seen things. He's had a dream. It was dark. And the Spirit passed before him. Will you listen to him? Now, what was it? Shall mortal man be more just than God? Shall a man be more pure than his Maker? I don't know about you, I'm a little disappointed. I thought that if a man's going to have the experience this man had, that he's really going to come up with something that'll be profound and something that none of us ever heard of before. This is nothing new. And very frankly, I think that he really exercised himself a little bit too much to come up with so little. It's sort of like the prophet. The prophet says that the mountain conceived and traveled and brought forth a mouse. May I say to you, I think that's what Eliphaz did. He's in great travail here, and you think he's going to give birth to a great idea, a great statement, a profound truth. He comes up with this. It's a mountain bringing forth a little mouse. It's not very much worthwhile. Shall mortal man be more just than God? Well, of course not. What's so profound about that? Shall a man be more pure than his maker? Well, of course not. Any of us know that. We didn't have to have a dream and a frightening thing like this, a nightmare that causes us to miss a night's sleep. 
And I don't think that it's quite worth a night's sleep at all to come up with something that is so trite, so evident. There's nothing profound here at all. But this is the voice of experience, and there are a lot of folks with voices of experience today. I'm in a very difficult spot myself. I'm a retired preacher, and retired preachers can become a nuisance. They can give advice, especially to young preachers. From the time I entered the ministry, I had retired preachers coming up and putting their arm around me and say, Now, son, this is the way you should be doing it. And the interesting thing is, most of those brethren never did do it. And I find myself now in that unique position of wanting to put my arm around some young preacher. And I found myself this morning, before I came down here to the study to make this tape, I met a young man in the ministry, and he's candidating in a church I recommend him to. And before I could even think, I found myself telling him how he ought to do it. And I just finally bit my tongue, got back in my car, and told him I'd pray for him and left it there. My, I tell you, there's a danger of the voice of experience. And sometimes it's not just what you want. He's not helpful to Job. Eliphaz is not helpful to Job. Now he goes on here in this manner. He says, verse 18, Behold, he put no trust in his servants and his angels. He charged with folly. How much less in them that dwell in houses of clay? He says that even his angels act rather foolish. And how much less these that dwell in houses of clay. And this is a profound statement coming from the very beginning. That these bodies that you and I live in are houses of clay. There's not a better description of them than that. Paul calls them in 2 Corinthians 5 that we looked at just a few weeks ago. And Paul called these bodies we dwell in just a tent a frail, feeble tent that the wind will blow it over and we'll have to move out of it. And he says, which are crushed before the moth. Our termites get in and before long our houses fall in on us. They are destroyed from morning to evening. They perish forever without any regarding it. Doth not their excellency which is in them go away? They die even without wisdom." Now, may I say this hurriedly, because I don't want to give the impression that everything that Eliphaz says and these men say are not profound, not wonderful. They give many wonderful truths, but they are not helpful to Job. That's the important thing. It's so easy to give out truth that is not pertinent and is not geared in to where we live. It just doesn't get down where the rubber meets the road. And that, my friend, is the place that we need to have truth for our lives today. Not just any truth, but truth that meets the need. And these men are going to say many wonderful things. I enjoy reading this. I hope you do. But it doesn't get down to meet the need of Job. You feel like stopping them and saying, Oh, don't talk any farther because you've gone down the wrong road. You are tooling down pretty fast on a road that's a dead-end street. You're not going to help this man with what you're saying. But he's going to say some wonderful things, and we're going to listen to him. Now, as we come to chapter 5, and I'll just get into this, he says, "'Call now, if there be any that will answer thee, and to which of the saints wilt thou turn?' That's still a good question. Which one can you turn to to help you? 
afraid that they're not able to help you today. And apparently the patriarchs had already gone on at this time. Probably Abraham and Isaac had. Maybe Jacob was still living. But Abraham's not able to help you. <laughs> and Isaac's not able to help you. And no one who lived in the past can help you. Well, which saint are you going to turn to? For wrath killeth the foolish man, and envy slayeth the silly one. I've seen the foolish taking root, but suddenly I cursed his habitation. He says, I've seen the foolish, the wicked, prosper, but finally they're brought down. And that, by the way, is true. You find that in Psalms. David was troubled by the same thing. He said, I saw the wicked spreading himself like a green bay tree. He was prosperous, while godly men were not. And I wondered about it. And then David says, I watched, and I found out finally God brought the wicked down. Took God a long time to get rid of Hitler, didn't it? But now it doesn't seem it was so long. But if you'd lived during that time, you would have thought it long. And Stalin, in fact, communism is still with us. Why doesn't God move? Oh, he doesn't have to. He moves slowly. And God will bring it down, but give him time. He's got eternity ahead of him. Of course, we don't have very much time in this life. Now, he goes on. He says his children are far from safety. They're crushed in the gate. Neither is there any to deliver them. In other words, he's classifying this man Job as being a foolish man, actually. And he says, "...whose harvest the hungry eateth up, and taketh it even out of the thorns, and the robber swalloweth up their substance. Although affliction cometh not forth of the dust, neither doth trouble spring out of the ground. Yet man is born unto trouble." as the sparks fly upward. Now, that is a great truth. We're going to look at that next time and the rest of this marvelous discourse, for it is a marvelous discourse. It just doesn't happen to be pertinent for Job. It's like a lady getting a recipe to make a meatloaf, and she really wants to make an apple pie. Now, it's nice to have a recipe for meatloaf. And meatloaf's all right in its place, but I've never myself found a place for it. But she really wanted to make an apple pie. That's what she was after. And I would say the recipe for meatloaf's no good. What this man's saying is good. It's a recipe for meatloaf when you really need apple pie, and that's what Job needs. We're going to see that next time. May the Lord richly bless you, my beloved. Well, Job is sure getting an earful of advice about his situation. But as Dr. McGee pointed out, it's not the advice he needs. Have you ever felt that you may be getting the wrong recipe from a well-meaning friend? Well, today's reminder is a good one, isn't it? You know, the one true source of guidance and understanding and comfort, of course, is God's Word alone. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Scriptures can be opened up to you. But you have to take the time to read them and to meditate on them and to study them yourself. And that's our prayer for you as you hop aboard the Bible bus with us. To guide you in your reading and studying of God's Word, we do offer a handy bookmark that gives you a daily text for each of our studies, as well as notes and outlines that will help you to understand even more. To get your free copies of these resources, visit us at ttb.org forward slash resources. You can also download the bookmark and a compilation of Dr. McGee's notes and outlines called Briefing the Bible. If you prefer to get a free printed copy in the mail, you can request that online, too, or... 
give us a call at 1-800-65-BIBLE. Again, that's ttb.org or 1-800-65-BIBLE. And you can always email us at biblebus at ttb.org. And while you're at ttb.org, why don't you check out our digital book, Lessons on How to Pray. In this journey through Paul's prayers in the book of Ephesians, Dr. McGee points out a simple and effective blueprint on how you too can talk with God more honestly and intimately. Lessons on How to Pray is available to download for free when you visit ttb.org forward slash booklet. Speaking of faithful friends, is God calling you to partner with us as we get his word out in your neighborhood and in more than 200 languages worldwide? Well, just call us then at 1-800-65-BIBLE or visit ttb.org forward slash give. Providing a tank of gas or a new set of tires to keep the Bible bus rolling along is fast, easy, and most of all, a complete privilege for those who are able. Today, our study left off at Job 5, verse 7, and it says, Yet man is born to trouble as the sparks fly upward. But how does this apply to Job? And does it apply to our lives, too? We'll find out next time as the Bible bus rolls along. I'm Steve Sweats, and I'll be here saving a seat just for you. Our story on the Bible bus today is just one step in a five-year journey through the entire Word of God. Come along for the ride, and you'll study both the Old Testament and New Testament, discovering God's great redemption story. Is this your story, too?